Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also, Mike, in a minute to talk to you about the glorious, surely award-winning movie of the one time called Fonzo and has since been changed to Capone, uh, the Tom Hardy Al Capone movie, Michael. This movie made me laugh so hard, Michael. It just made me laugh so hard. I am just I got tears coming down my face because you and me were screaming at each other just in the pre-production see. today because you like this movie a lot more than I did. And I like this movie somehow. Well, that's I mean, that's a good starting place, if nothing else. Is that like we went into this? The reason we reluctantly are reviewing this movie in the first place because we knew about Tom Hardy wanted to play Capone. This was like a passion project of his. Josh Trank got attached to direct, so we were excited for that. Then we saw this trailer and we were like, "Oh shit!" (laughs) We we were not very. our expectations were not very high, let's say. And so I, I I think this is just a matter of. Our expectations couldn't have been lower, so I'm pleasantly surprised. And you, maybe your expectations, they sound like they were met by this. No, they were. Uh, this movie exceeded my expectations. Oh, good. Okay, Because I spent an hour today coming up with puns yes. or, that were alternate Capone <laughs> movie titles. And, and here they are. Yes, Mike please. the Shit Man's Bodyguard. I like that one. That one was very good. Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Diapers. <laughs> Terrible. I heard you paint bathrooms. That was your best one. That is like that one. It belongs in 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 a in a museum in Rome somewhere. Uh, then I got some disgusting ones. Road to excretion. <laughs> Terrible. Just awful. The log father. I think our podcast is over. <laughs> it gets worse. Filling them softly. That, that doesn't even make sense, really. If you think filling about filling your diapers quietly. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> I told you they're disgusting. And then uh, Donnie Asco, which is just <laughs> underrated. So... That one's underrated. All right, that's underrated. Like that <laughs> Brian Perry at Road to Oscars. He said Crapone, which is just <laughs> perfect. Very on the nose there. And then at Mr. Joe Gooch, which is uh, I don't know if that's Joe Mess. No, I think I'm getting my Joes confused. But that's uh, Joe Gooch. Apparently, he said the Desharded. <laughs> And then he also said the unflushables <laughs> and shite heat. Because, guys, I don't know if you know this, but Al Capone shits his pants loudly, vivaciously, violently three times in this movie. And that's the one spoiler we'll give out. Not spoiler. And what a spoiler it is. So this We're just is not mature enough, Michael. We're not mature no, enough not, to not handle at all. this. Without not, making fart noises. Yeah, we are still, uh, I guess, college boys at heart. But even college, some college people don't laugh at this stuff. So we're just immature is the way you, you put immature. it. And it's, it's what's correct. What are we calling this, Mike? Is this an Oscar Sprint profile? Is this a movie review? How do we want to handle this episode? This is not an Oscar Sprint profile. <laughs> a Razzie this, Sprint profile? It's a Razzie Sprint profile is what it is. Okay, so. But it, it, surprisingly, it's better than we thought. So this is a good thing. So much better. I mean, I, I was thoroughly impressed by some things, and I I was expecting the worst, and that's what I braced myself for. But like all our reviews, we will be giving you the non-spoiler half, then a spoiler warning, followed by the spoiler-filled section. So if you have not seen Capone yet, that just came out today, March 4th, actually a couple days ago, I apologize, uh, but we're recording this March 14th. It's on demand right now. You can rent it for $9.99 on VOD. We won't spoil it for you on the first half of this episode, uh, but the second half will be spoiler-filled. So let's get into the production profile for the movie Capone. Yeah, this was written in Yeah, this was written, edited and directed by Josh Trank of Chronicle and Fantastic Four, Michael. And I'm not going to lie. I would like Josh Trank to direct the Tiger King movie. Yeah, he hit the right tenor and tone with this one Did to, he? to feature Joe Exotic. <laughs> And he would work well with Nicolas Cage. He would just let him go. If you don't know Josh Trank, he was the one infamously having the falling out with Fox pre-Disney buyout with the last Fantastic Four movie, Miles Teller, uh, 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 Michael B. Jordan in that as well. He basically had the studio rip the film away from him and get involved with re-edits and reshoots and all this. And it led to a very famous Twitter spat between the two. So this is kind of him trying to come out of director's jail. 
You're not chomping on the bait that I'm setting out there, though. He allows bad acting to just flourish, is what I'm trying to say. Very clearly now. <laughs> That's why I want Nicolas Cage, an awesomely bad performance of Joe Exotic, on screen. I think he'll do a great, I mean, terrible job. <laughs> okay. I won't disagree with that. Capone stars Tom Hardy of Taboo. Linda Carnalini of Grandma's Boy, Matt Dillon of The House That Jack Built, <laughs> Jack Loden of Pan, you're a bad person, <laughs> and Kyle MacLachlan of 1984's Dune. So is Linda Carnalini just not allowed to play anything other than a stereotypical Italian's wife anymore? Yeah, what is going on with Linda Carnalini here? This is just like typecasting to the what? worst so bad. levels of, of humanity. And why is she stuck with all these? I know her name's Cardellini. But right. why is she stuck with all these gangsters? It's ridiculous. It's, it's just like there's a phone book in Hollywood of like the actor, actress's name. We need an Italian mobster's wife. And Cardellini's got to be one of the first names in the book under, you know, after A.A. A. Aaron. I agree with that. But at the same time, like... Like, she's pulling off the one character that I'm rooting for in this movie, and she was the one and a half characters I was rooting for in Green Book. So she's doing a good job with this kind of role. Uh, yeah, I don't, again, I don't dis- We're going to have a lot of times this episode where I think my stance is going to be, I don't disagree. <laughs> I don't but... agree completely, but yeah, okay, I'll go with it. <laughs> <laughs> she was a bad Daphne or a good Daphne? What did you think? In this role? No, Scooby-Doo, Daphne. Oh, Jesus, I was going to say, I didn't even know her name was Daphne in this role. <laughs> um, uh, I, her what? name was Giuseppe Pina. <laughs> Daphne, Italians know her name, well, Daphne. No, that's why I was surprised. I was like, I don't think her name was Daphne. <laughs> but uh, she's, she's known from the Scooby-Doo movies. Yeah, she's she, known was, from Grandma's she was Boy. fine, right? Yeah. I liked her in Grandma's Boy a lot. I, Grandma's Boy is near and dear to my heart. I would prefer to watch Grandma's Boy than this again. Well, she was really good in Freaks and Geeks. That's where she started. But she she should have had like a much bigger, better career. I I I, well, she's only in her forties, so hopefully she uh, she gets away from this typecasting bullshit, and uh, we give her more stuff. And Tom Hardy and Josh Trank will be teaming up once again for a CIA limited series, so hopefully it will outdo Taboo. This film was originally set for theatrical release, but distributor Vertical Entertainment decided to release it directly on VOD on the 14th of May. Uh, so it, I guess it did come out when I'm speaking. You can tell we're wildly prepared for this episode and definitely not recording on a whim here. Uh, it was available for on VOD for the reduced price of $9.99 in some cases. And uh, you, good sir... Now own Capone on Voodoo, also, Mike. I own the standard edition for $9.99. I don't know why I didn't go for the $12.99 version on Voodoo. And when I looked everywhere else, and by everywhere else, I just mean on my Xfinity, mm-hmm. it was available to rent for $9.99. So I, wildly enough, I went on Voodoo because we watched Draft Day on Voodoo. And to make this long, boring story longer, I bought it on Voodoo for nine ninety nine because I would have rented it elsewhere. You have been doing Voodoo quite the service lately with your patronage of that. Uh, well, enterprise. I wonder if they're do they have some kind of you know backroom deal or something where they get the better option where people can own shit on Voodoo rather than rent shit on Xfinity. I, like, how is that possible? There's something proper about you owning this particular movie just in <laughs> SD and not HD. <laughs> like, I feel like that's appropriate somehow. If but... I would have just threw up if it was in HD. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason we're making these jokes is the reception, or at least part of the reason, is the reception of this film has not been great. It's got a 42% critic score on Rotten Tomato right now and 83 reviews. That's actually up from the mm. 38% I saw this movie had early with its earlier uh, critic score reviews it's carrying a 47 meta score the audience scores it has right now a 44 percent on rotten tomato on only 117 ratings and early 5.1 on imdb on 2000 or so viewer ratings there michael yeah it could be a lot worse it doesn't have the you know zero percent the coveted zero percent that Gotti got you know right. the uh you know angry birds one was that the last one that had like a 10 percent anyway it We've seen much worse on It's Rock not food fight, right. <laughs> food fight. We should do a food fight at some point. <laughs> that, 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 that's a terrible movie, and it's about food, 
and it has Melissa McCarthy, right? Does it? I don't even know. A lot I, of I've tried to block that out. Should like, like, right? <laughs> I'm upset that Food Fight is not a good movie. Can I just state that on the record? Well, you anyway, have, Mike, you have the Seth Rogen one that made up for it. No, a Sausage Party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a different thing. Those are personified foods, which was also a good movie, but it doesn't look delicious. I want food porn. <laughs> Carrying the burden of this weight is just unbearable. <laughs> Mike, the plot premise of Capone reads. I don't know where that tangent was going. We'll just leave it there. The plot premise of Capone reads: the forty forty-seven year old Al Capone, after ten years in prison, starts suffering from dementia and comes to be haunted by his violent past. And oh my God, does he! So, what were your expectations for this? I honestly expected a much worse movie. Yeah. This was endlessly entertaining. Yes. This is totally watchable. Like, you don't get bored. You can make it through two hours of this lickety split. Like, that was the best thing about this. Cats, when we reviewed Cats, yeah. I literally fell asleep in the theater after drinking a Donald Trump-sized Diet Coke. That's <laughs> right. I remember. And I fell asleep in the middle of that movie. It was right. just boring and awful. Like, I was dreading this review, but I think we're going to have a lot of fun talking about this. Obviously, we already are. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's like the perfect... Well, actually, I was going to say the perfect background movie, except that it kind of draws you in too much at times, that you have to watch and glare up to see what's going on. So maybe mm. it's not the perfect background movie, but I feel like if you wanted to like get some writing done or, or you know browse facebook or whatever and just have something to look at every once in a while yeah this definitely serves the purpose if you want the background movie to force you to procrastinate from your real work right there you this go. is the perfect background movie but i will say mm-hmm. i will watch this movie a thousand times before <laughs> i watch certain academy award-winning movies from this past year ever again and that's why we were screaming at each other and in giggle fit tears before we even hit record today because i'm like how do you compare this movie to all the oscar movies we do and it was it was funny we were we were making serious yelling at each other arguments over that i don't want to do that here again because it's just gonna completely lower our credibility even lower than it is we're doing a good job of taking that out on our own but mike i think i think this movie aims for for being academy awards worthy i mean it's it's so ambitious and you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of entourage i think seasons five and six did you get that far with vincent chase's entourage i I didn't watch it all but i know about it yes i am a white male so it did speak to me white male who grew up when entourage was (laughs) right on hbo so it's medellin this movie is medellin right and Instead of Vincent Chase, you have Tom Hardy. Instead of uh, Pablo Escobar, you have Al Capone. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is that movie. Like yeah. the long, slow motion shots of the chicken flapping its wings. <laughs> and and we still like held out hope that it was going to be good, like watching Vincent Chase on set, et cetera, et cetera, for like a whole season of television. Mm-hmm. And then it was hysterical, like when it wasn't great, you know. <laughs> It's tough. Spoiler alert for Entourage. Yeah. I mean, Scorsese is Scorsese for a reason, because not everybody can do that style of filmmaking, you know? And mm-hmm. if you don't do it well, you come off looking hokey a bit. That said, I think Josh Trank did fine with what he was given or what this turned out to be. I just don't think it was... Yeah, I agree. I think this had higher aspirations for itself, and it doesn't reach those by any means. Well, let's get into some production values because I was tempted to write a one-word review of the production (laughs) values here and just say hilarious, but they're actually not bad. Just one part of it is hilarious, and it's Tom Hardy's Al Capone appearance. I mean, he looks like he's 174 years old. Yeah, he looks like every vampire (laughs) big boss in every vampire movie, right? Yes. Just a disgusting, decrepit... He looks contagious. Like, how are these children in this story not terrified of his physical appearance from start to finish? Like, why are his eyes black and just bloodshot? Like, there's no pupil... Like, some scenes, he has just black eyes, and then in other scenes, he has, like, normal pupils. Or or did they forget to put the contacts in in some scenes? 
Is this a thing with like syphilis? I mean, I don't know. I guess I got to look it up. Yeah, neurosyphilis. This is the time when Al Capone, the syphilis, was going untreated and eating away, literally eating away at his brain. I, I, see, I don't know. I noticed that too with the eyes, especially. Sometimes they were bloodshot and watery. Sometimes they seemed to be dry. If that was subtext about when the time he was lucid and wasn't, or if that was just you know a a, a, a makeup thing, I don't know. I felt like for his part though, Tom Hardy played. Somebody who had suffered the conditions of a stroke very well. I know you think it goes too far over the top, but the the blank stare and the slow to response as if you're talking to someone down a tunnel. So it takes a minute for those echoes to reverberate so they can actually make out what you're saying and then they react to it. I would agree with you if his stare was ever blank. Because he never allows himself, like Meryl Streep and Glenn Close and all these actors that we love would just sit there. They would just be my Oh, he has those moments, though. They would do something ever so subtle once during the long shot. You're being unfair. But he is sneering and flaring his nostrils like he can't sit still this whole movie. If he actually sits still a little bit in a few of these scenes, I would have tolerated it much more. But I'm just like, oh, that's too much. Every scene, I'm just like, uh, I'm rolling my eyes at what he's doing. But <laughs> yeah, we have uh, this is our biggest disagreement, too. And it's it has to be because he's so front and center for every scene of this movie. I mean, he he's is. such a big part of it. So, of course, you're going to end up nitpicking no matter how you what lens you view this movie through. But that's oh, our I'm biggest disagreement. I'm not picking nits. I don't know what you <laughs> you're, you're, he does have a blank stare. I can I'm, point out specifically certain scenes. But I'm fine, knit we'll, shoveling is what I'm doing. I'm knit. <laughs> I'm knit plowing <laughs> this movie. But Michael, I think the makeup is unadulteratedly, objectively bad. Yeah, like I agree. they just threw chalk on him. I can agree. we just say what they did? They literally took chalk, like the dustings of chalk, and they threw it on. Him. I didn't know that Linda Cardellini was his wife at first. Because they made him look so old. And, I mean, we know Al Capone died when he was like 47, 48. And I don't care what kind of syphilis you have. You're not going to end up looking like you're literally 117 like like Hardy did here. So I thought Cardellini might have been his daughter at first. And Al Capone died at a really old age. And then I did a little research. And I was like, this can't be right. So, yeah, I think the makeup was uh, definitely a detriment. And for how over-the-top Hardy's performance was at times, I expected to be more taken out of the movie than I was by it. Look, if he's married to Linda Cardellini... Let's just, again, speak on behalf of Linda Cardellini here. She should not be married to Gary Oldman as Dracula in uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. She should not be married. And when we see a wide shot, it looks like Robert De Niro playing Frankenstein's monster. Like, we should, she shouldn't be married to a horror movie, you know, 19, late 80s, early 90s villain. And she's relegated to the ultimate side character. I mean, she oh, she yeah. has no substance behind her character in this movie. She she I don't know. I I think uh, I you think, think so? she's the one character I'm rooting for. So she did that somehow. But are you rooting for her because she's the only one that's like purer than pure? And Pro- I think she's probably. purer than pure because there's nothing to her. They didn't well, give her but, any dimensions. Well, that that being said, she does do some shitty things. So I, I guess she had enough of a dimension there, right. and then she's Linda Cardellini, and maybe I'm thinking of her as Daphne, because I like <laughs> Scooby-Doo apparently more than you now. You don't even get the reference, Daphne, when I say Linda Cardellini. I was shocked to learn that was her character's name in this movie, Daphne. <laughs> Mike, the editing the editing of this movie was done by Josh Trank, and there was one continuity problem early in the film where he was just, like, puking on the side, and then they cut to him again, and he was not puking. He was, he was upright, right. and it was really abrupt, and yeah, it was I really awkward. Well. Continuity issue. I thought we were going to get that the whole movie, so here I am writing, the editing is terrible, Josh Trank can't do anything right, and then it's it's smooth sailing for the rest of the film, so I actually thought the editing was pretty good and yeah the rest of the production values are pretty good yeah and i'll go a step further there was even a scene where he uses some sort of special effects it's yeah i would think it's all got to be digitally enhanced special effects computer graphics uh involving a lake and it just i was not expecting it and it's really off base for what was happening in the movie but yeah. much like the the part of special effects for that comes into the peanut butter falcon i thought it went perfectly with what the the script was up to that point so i think that's a credit to josh trank I, I think all of the other production values in a movie that is shockingly watchable were just just terrific. Like, yeah. I'm noticing them throughout the film, and if not for his 
vampire, his <laughs> decrepit vampire drawn out of the uh, the cave. That that is just so out of place with this movie. I, I thought the movie was well put together overall, and and in terms of the production values. Mike, we have to get into the performances here. So, all right, make your case on why Tom Harding's you know, Fon's character isn't as bad as I'm about to say it is. Oh, sure. Um, because Renee Zellweger just won the Oscar for doing the same thing. I'm so mad at you. I'm just That's so my mad. case. Listen, this movie is infinitely more watchable than Judy, and it's literally yeah. almost the exact same portrayal. It's uh, a larger-than-life star at the end of their life, at the end of their professional careers, trying to hold on to relevancy, to trying to battle their demons, and losing it a little bit. It's the same performance, and everyone just gushed over Renee Zellweger. Oh, wrong. Can, oh, I, just, so can wrong. I just one more? <laughs> you're so wrong. Disagree. I'm Disagree. the only one brave enough to speak truth here. I just don't I'm literally, I'm literally pounding my chest as I say that. I understand this. I could see you through <laughs> the phone, and we're not even using video on Skype. I, I could see it. I, I stand. I listen. I know. Of, it's not going to be viewed this way. I'm very much aware of this, but I will. I stand by. This is a more watchable movie and a more cinematic movie than Judy. We're the black sheep of yeah. the Oscars community. It's I just talked the out of it. I get it. It's official. It's I'm not official. even sorry. I'm not even sorry about it. I can't it. take you anywhere. <laughs> we'll go I straight to know. the bottom. <laughs> I will stay with this ship in the perfect storm. Uh, look, I, I will say this. I will say this is a very watchable movie. Here's the problem with uh, Tom Hardy's Fonz character. And it's that gosh da- darn voice that I'm going to learn how to do an impression of. And then I'm going to not stop doing the impression <laughs> of that voice. But I kind of tr- tested it on myself, and I don't think it's as funny as I hoped it would be. But basically, this voice disqualifies him as a character. But wait, let me, let me give a counter argument to this because we don't know. I don't care well, listen, if it's listen, real. Listen. You don't know. There, I don't know. I don't, but I I don't, don't know. Care. But if it is, it's if it so is absurd. real, if it is real, we've given, I mean, would you have disqualified James Franco for doing the same thing in The Disaster Artist if we didn't yeah. know Tommy Wiseau existed? If No, if he sounded like a Muppet in a cartoon film. <laughs> On cart, listen. His this voice deserves to be on Cartoon Network. It's an animated <laughs> film voice. If it's not coming out of a talking pig, it should not be done on screen. And this voice is so absurd. You have, and we've seen this done so many times. People suffer ailments, but they don't. They don't push it to like an eleven on a ten, one out of ten scale. This voice is so silly. It's so different from Tom Hardy's real voice. I can't handle. When, when an actor that is known for his voice d- does something like this, it's just absurd. But Tom Hardy has also made a career out of changing voices. I mean, he he's has he has. memorable. He has memorable voice acting roles, and Bane to this, like he's just. I, I mean, is he just smelling his own farts that he think he can do this <laughs> again? I don't think. I don't think it's nearly as offensive as you do. So I think oh, that's another difference. I'm offended as an Italian American. How about that? I'll play that card. <laughs> it's fine. It's that? fine. We can disagree. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm he just saying I don't see like, it that way. He sounds like a singing Louis Armstrong if Louis Armstrong's head was being squished in a vice by a mobster. Would you have made that comparison if Louis Armstrong wasn't in this movie? <laughs> I wrote that comparison before Louis Armstrong showed up in this movie at the Overlook Hotel. And yes. I think... I think uh, I think subliminally there's a Louis Armstrong song that was played early in the movie. So that's why I came up with it. So I both patted myself on the back and then I made fun of myself in the same thing. Michael. Good. Yes. In this movie, Tom Hardy's not helping his case by what he's doing. He's smoking and eating and smoking and puking and sweating and smoking and gurgling and coughing and spitting and cursing and shitting. Mike, the first time he shits his pants, he touches the shit, and then he touches his cigar again. Mike, he's a man who had a disease literally eroding his brain. The only reason he was out of prison is because the system was like, this guy doesn't have anything anymore. 
But why do I have to watch it in a movie that well, I paid okay. for? Okay, now you're, that's All the right? Patton Can Oswalt theory. Can you just sugarcoat right. reality for <laughs> right. me? Can you sugarcoat reality for right. me so I don't have to watch a man touching his shitty okay. pants and then s- using those same <laughs> shitty poopy fingers to u- to touch his cigar and smoke his cigar with big slurping puffs? Right, this is the Patton Oswalt theory, and this is what we joked about going into this. He's saying, you know, I want to make a movie about Mark Twain, but I only want it to be the three minutes after he ate really bad egg salad where he's just on the can and can't get off like this is exactly what that movie was it was the worst of you're gonna make a movie about Al Capone but I only want to focus on the part of his life where everyone was turning on him and he wasn't in touch with reality and he literally just shit himself every 15 minutes that's what this movie is he moves his bowels on screen four times in this movie <laughs> yes, he does. on screen audibly and at, at points visibly Yes. Why is that being shown on camera? Like it doesn't. If it does, I mean, we're supposed to be condensing life for in two hours. We're condensing <laughs> a period of life, and Josh Trank thinks that's the important stuff that we need to see. We've seen countless number of films. How many shitting seasons <laughs> have, have there been? If you think are you going to mind fuck me to have me defend pooping <laughs> on screen? I got news for you, pal. <laughs> All right, so where does this rank in Tom Hardy performances for you? For me, it's dead last. It's not the, the worst. I, 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 I Again, I mean, it's an unfair question because can I think of anything worse? No, not off the top of my head. But I also don't think it's, like, offensively bad, and neither do you. So I think we should underscore no, that. No, I do was, think it's this, it's offensively bad. But if it was that bad, you wouldn't bizarre. be able to watch it, would you, Mike? If he gave a reserved performance in this movie, the movie would probably be middling and it would just be a movie that was okay. Is this better than his Eddie Brock performance? Eddie Brock is not as loud as this performance. No, that's not what I asked. It's it's not better than his Eddie Brock performance. No, he's more subdued as Eddie Brock, and he, he picks his spots. You know, I mean, he's not like if this was a basketball player, this basketball player would be taking half-court shots on every possession. Not three-point shots, half-court shots. Like, he's just going for broke with every single scene, every single moment of every scene. Maybe I'm more supposed okay. to be standing still. He's, he's, he's just fidgeting or something. Yeah, I, 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 I want to punch him in the face. I don't disagree. I would love to see. Neither of us would win that fight. But <laughs> no. I, I don't disagree with you saying he, he's, you know, maybe doing too much. I think I'm more forgiving of it because, to me, that's kind of what Tom Hardy has always been. Well, like, he's going for broke, and he does this like once every five years or right. so, right? Like Bronson, I mean, he was a little much. Bane, as Bane, he was a little much. As Eddie Brock, he was a right. little much. So, like, I'm used to seeing him go crazy. We don't often get, we don't get a lot of Dunkirk, Tom Hardy. You know, we don't get that often. So, well, what's wild about Dunkirk is that he is behind. Most of his face is covered, right? So he's doing wild things with his eyes, and we praise him for it. Right. We're like, how is he carrying this whole scene with his eyes looking seventeen different directions throughout the scene? Or and lock, just, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he's able to to work a movie like that. If if this was a superhero film, or if this was like Capone was set in Sin City, right? That bizarro. 1940s film noir neo noir setting right if this was a cartoon comic booky setting this would have been a perfect performance but everything else about this reality was very real so that's why it just doesn't mesh to me with the surroundings yeah i mean i i completely understand that i i think i'm more forgiving because of the person a and uh, tom hardy's performances in a cv a and b because I just default to this was a biographical portrayal, and if Al Capone was really like this, then he had to. I'm sure he didn't just create that voice. Is what I'm kind of leaning towards. You know, I am not so sure. <laughs> I know but... you're not. So, but that's look. The bottom line is, we both thought this was a very watchable movie. It works as a psychological thriller. The horror, horror elements in it works. The suspense really works. I thought Josh Trank did a fabulous job blending all those together, despite the absurd performance at the center of this. The rest of the ensemble is great, and I can't believe I'm saying this, Mike. I think people should watch this movie. Like, I give this a watch grade. It's non-spoilers. Yeah, I do too. I'm right there with you. And again, I'm not as down on the performance. I also think the whoever found this setting of this mansion that most of this movie takes place in, these yards and this lake, I oh, think yeah. they, they deserve a pay raise themselves because this is it looks beautiful too. Major uh, Hollywood production yeah. values. Agreed. So uh let's let's argue more in spoilers. Spoilers ahead. This is 
A spoiler warning. This is the spoiler section for the movie formerly known as Fonzo, now known as Capone, available on VOD, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. If you've not seen the movie yet, like we told you in the intro to this episode, it is available now on video on demand for $9.99 to rent. Uh, You can go there, hit pause on this episode, go watch it. We'll be here waiting for you when you come back to hit play. If you've seen the movie already and want to hear our thoughts, or if we've just hyped up the spoiler section so much, which we actually may have this time in the (laughs) non-spoiler section, that you need to hear what we have to say. This is where you want to be. All spoilers for Capone brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Mike, let's go through this plot and let's pick it apart. All right. So the opening of the movie is him pretty sick. He's at his Florida home with his family, like surrounded by too much family, you you come to learn. And that's not really true because he's hallucinating it all. Right. So basically, he is the one guy you don't want to sit next to at the dinner table because he's billowing. <laughs> billowing puffs of smoke on that cigar. Why does he smoke and eat at the same time? That's disgusting. I think he doesn't know what he's doing at this point. I think because he go I mean, he transitions to having a carrot in his mouth instead of a cigar, and he doesn't really know the difference. I think it just has an oral fixation. At least that's how it registered with me. I'm so afraid for my own addiction. Mike, <laughs> he is literally fighting these kids in the mud on a holiday. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine being a kid? Grandpa's out your- in the rain again. In a downpour, <laughs> on a holiday, but like before dinner, he's fighting all these Italian kids in the mud. They're all rolling in the mud, and obviously it's a hallucination. But is it a is it a real memory? It makes no sense what's happening in the beginning. And I'm I'm yelling at the I'm like laughing at the screen, really. Yeah, about I, what they're doing. There. I hated that opening. I I really did. Um, but I gave it more leniency when. You go through the movie and we realize we're not supposed to really know what's real and what's not because we kind of are supposed to be viewing everything through the mind of a man whose mind is deteriorating. So, again, I was more forgiving for it. But in the moment when I first came across it, I'm with you. I hated it. All right. So we talked about shit number one (laughs) in non-spoilers. I want to talk about shit number two now. And it happens like 10 or 15 minutes later. This is the shit into act two. This is the start of (laughs) the propel, if you will. Yeah, you're supposed to really give a you know a momentous event, a momentous <laughs> scene in the film to get you into Act Two, and uh, you got flies buzzing around his face, and he he's snoring and sweating and hallucinating. We can't ever go to Can. We can't ever go no. to Tell Your Ride. Never. <laughs> and he's hallucinating the kid from uh, you know It Chapter Two, right? Yes. If, if the kid had a raincoat, but he was much fatter. But the kid's got a balloon. He's seeing the the fat kid with the balloon, and Apparently, he is just violently shitting his pants in this bed. Can you do the book on tape for this script? (laughs) Now, this is my this is why I'm upset with this scene, because Linda Cardellini rolls back the covers and we got to see a Jackson Pollock painting. Yeah. In the sheets. And it's not like a, a, a passing glance. It's like they go back to it a couple times. And it's like, we get it. It's an old man who literally shit the bed. I'm with you. I thought they hung he, up on it way too much. He had a rocket launcher coming out of his ass. <laughs> it was so without much. And, it's, and his pants are still on. Like, for, to have that much of a cover of you that remember, big of a bed, he'd have a hole out the back of his pants. You remember Dumb and Dumberer? Where Bob Saget is like, there's shit everywhere. <laughs> he does that whole running gag yes. for like two scenes yes. in a row. That that's what that was this scene. Yeah. And then, you know, I get I think back and she's wondering, like, why, you know, why did you shit your pants or how how did this happen? And she's like surprised at first. But then I realized they just fed him a pound of pasta and three huge meatballs <laughs> of the previous scene. So it's just like I'm sitting there, I'm laughing, and and I'm also thinking Linda Carnellini is a dumb, dumb, saintly person. Yes, I don't know very why dumb. She's, I don't know why she's, she's still there saint. at this point. I only the only thing I can think of is that the whole subplot that we are coming to realize and why everyone's still lingering around Capone is that they have convinced themselves that he has money buried somewhere, right. and so I think that has to be why she's still around. There's no way. She can still love this man because this man isn't the man she fell in love with. You can't love Dracula. Really? <laughs> can you really love? Anyway, Mike, the introduction to the fake figment of your imagination character of Matt Dillon in this movie is hilarious when you think back to it because he is thwapping. I mean, again, we hear every thwap of him having sex with this woman. It's just so overdone. It was so 
so ridiculous. I, I, I'm having like flashbacks now. He is not a this. real character right. in the story. What the fuck fake? was the point of that? Who is he on the phone with? It's just, this he's is literally a figment of this old guy's imagination, but our introduction to him, and again, I understand you want to blur the line between reality and fiction, as because we're supposed to have the POV of an aging Capone, or deteriorating Capone, but like our literal introduction to him is he stops having sex with this woman to answer a phone call, but this man is not real, he doesn't exist! So, he goes to Florida, this figment of his imagination, apparently... <laughs> Tom Hardy's Al Capone imagination. Where do you send your figments of imagination if they had to go somewhere? <laughs> well, they start in New York, obviously, and they come to me in Florida, and I picture them having sex because I'm a pervert. Naturally, naturally. So, Mike, this figment of the, of the imagination character comes to Florida and takes Capone on a boat. And the day after, he shit his pants so violently that everybody knows he's crazy. He's allowed to, like, be on a boat or maybe that's all a hallucination too, but he's on a boat with Matt Dillon and Matt Dillon's like, you sound like a dying horse and where's the money. And so we get the big, where's the money plot line right. at this point. Capone catches a fish, a gator snaps it out of the, you know, his, his hook, <laughs> fish hook, <laughs> fishing rod goes into the water. And of course, Al Capone gets a shotgun and shoots the alligator in the most insane scene i've ever witnessed in a movie until later in this movie i love that scene <laughs> i great. absolutely love that scene him screaming at the crocodile you fucking bum <laughs> was it worth it <laughs> you fucking bum that's that's his voice I, I i i said i didn't want to do the impersonation but i did it but mike he's screaming at the goddamn crocodile calling him a bum i've never seen anything like that so what's the reality there does he was he on a boat by himself or did he never take that trip he never took that trip right he never took that right. trip is okay. my guess okay and i don't care it's just such an entertaining scene right. and I'm, I'm riveted so they go back home Again, this is all in his imagination. They go back home that night, and they watch The Wizard of Oz. And Al Capone's, If I were the king of the forest. He's singing that song <laughs> in The Wizard of Oz. It's the greatest It's the greatest musical number. The most unintentionally funny scene I, I've wa watched in a while. It was... I cannot believe he went there. And I'm just looking at it in terms of a movie critic saying, I cannot believe Josh Trank is allowing tom hardy to go this ridiculous <laughs> it was one of my favorite scenes of the movie it's great it's a great scene what's even better is the follow-up scene where he is giving matt dillon the figment of his imagination the review the two of these yeah. guys are reviewing the movie the wizard of oz i would listen to that podcast for hours <laughs> yeah i'm with you i'm with forget you. us <laughs> But you, it's a great reveal in that whole sequence because he asked for more bourbon from his wife. And she's like, what do you need more bourbon for? Uh, he's like, it's for my friend here. And there's nobody in the seat next to him. So it's like a holy shit moment. Right. I guess he was imagining everything. Yeah. And that's what that was our first reveal that the Matt Damon character who we just interrupted having sex with presumably nobody at this point is himself a nobody and does not actually exist. And what's cool is that Linda Cardellini actually has a line in a, in a scene later where he he asks her, he's like, do you even know what these people do? I think it's like a flashback to a conversation they must have had for a million years where he had all of his goons around doing their, you know, run around uh, errands all day long. And he would tell his wife, don't make friends with my goons. They kill people for me or whatever. Right. So anyway... She goes, do you even know what these people do? And and she said something very telling. She's like, they do what you tell them to do. Right. And she's almost like giving him permission to control his hallucinations. Exactly. It's, trying it's, to help it's him. It's a double entendre of U.S. King and mob boss still being alive. But also she's actually speaking to, I know you're going insane. These are all just voices in your head. You control them if you want to. But it was really smart. It was yeah, a really agreed. smart way to do that. I loved it. All right. We get to the big hallucination mid-movie montage sequence. Best scene of the movie. Oh, my God. He sees the fat kid ghost again. <laughs> As we all he do. follows it into the party from the Overlook Hotel. Which literally is the setup. He like He's he's hallucinating. He's hallucinating. He's going chasing this kid through the hallways of his mansion. And then he opens a door. And he's literally in this grand ballroom filled with people, including Louis Armstrong at the front singing. Who's singing and gets him up to the stage to do a duet with him. Yeah. 
he of course sees the Pennywise balloon in the in the in the crowd. Uh, and then he follows like one of his goons, uh, Gino, who, who I think is actually one of his gophers, like in modern times. I don't know if he was a gangster back when. Might have been, pr- could have been, probably not though. A lot of these, you know, dementia. I hear a lot of these sufferers of dementia see people they know now as people from their past. Right. Anyway, so. He goes into this room, brutal murder yep. of this guy in tape that we later find out in a huge reveal was Matt Dillon. So there, this is the 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 little treats you get from this screenplay. They do have shocking reveals that do play on your emotions, and a lot of this stuff is tied together. And I guess what's most frustrating about it is that some of the stuff isn't. Like, yes, we reveal that the guy being brutally murdered under all this tape on his face, it's Matt Dillon, and this is like a flashback that Capone's reliving to realize all the awful things he and his people have done. But at the same time, why did we have that unnecessary introduction to Matt Dillon earlier with him having sex then? Like, that's the the pro and the con of it. I don't know if I care because it was it was all fun to watch. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm watch, with you. But you're right. It doesn't make it, it doesn't really add up at the end of the day. But it's it's again, I'm giving it a pass yep. because it's it kind of blew my mind and it's, it makes enough sense to where I'm I'm cool with it. But then like he gets into this room with an old flame, right? His gumad or so, whatever you want to call it from the Sopranos there. And apparently it's the mother of his child, Tony, that keeps calling him up anyway. It's a, it's a crazy sequence because she just licks the side of his head. And then he, like, walks outside and there's a... Ma- she gets shot and then he walks outside and there's a massacre going on in the Chicago streets where he continues to fo- follow the fat kid with the balloon. Yeah, and all these settings are changing as he goes in and out of these doorways, which is extremely well done. They look like they were practical. At the end of the whole sequence, you realize Linda Cardellini finds him on the ground. He's had another stroke. He's like catatonic on the ground. Yeah, wow. and this, this was the, uh, supposed to be Al Capone's infamous last stroke, which happened like just before he passed away. So this was essentially his life flashing before his eyes. And we realize as viewers, these are all maybe not true to life or 100% accurate events, but for the most part, it seemed like that was a flashback with Matt Dillon. It seemed like that was the the mother of his child that he doesn't speak to, who's trying to call him all episode long. It seemed like that was a shootout that he was involved in, and he's still trying to chase the, the dragon that is this young child that has the golden balloon there. So I loved that sequence all along. And then, of course, the realization that he hasn't moved at all, and he's just having a stroke on the ground. Loved it. It was it was incredible. It it, it made sense. It made enough sense yep. to, to get us uh, invested. Mike Kyle McLaughlin from Dune, of course, nineteen eighty four. <laughs> he is the uh, shrink in this movie, and uh, basically he's working with the feds. We think, right? We, we were questioning everything at this point. He's not allowed to smoke cigars anymore. He's got to smoke carrots, and the family's like, he'll never go for that. But of course, he's you know he's too far gone to to not go for that right. at this point. The horror elements of this screenplay start to work here. You have Gino's stake, right? Where he's hallucinating back to the stabbing yeah. murder from that sequence. That's a scary-ass scene. That's a gross scene. I thought it worked. I was The second half of this, after that big stroke uh, montage, was all Capone trying to pay his penance, I felt like. And he can't escape all the horrors that he's done and the horrors he surrounded himself with. So he keeps going back and forth between Gino cutting a stake in real time in front of him and brutally stabbing Matt Dillon, which is what he saw in that vision before he was or while he was having a stroke on the ground the scene prior. So and that ultimately leads to what happens next with his next kind of lucid dream or hallucination or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so he, I guess he has another, he falls at the dinner table, they put him to bed, and Matt Dillon visits him. We realize Matt Dillon was the guy from the tape, and in a disgusting scene, like, he cuts out his eyes, you know, I mean, we don't we don't watch it, but it's crazy, and he's like, look at look into my eyes, and you'll figure out where you found the money. Yeah, so you can't possibly show some man cutting out his own eyes, because that would eat into the time that we have to show poop. The third shit is the next scene that I have highlighted. Very good transition by you because we have an FBI meeting the next day with Jack Loden and uh, from Pan. And obviously Dunkirk and a lot of other good movies, but <laughs> Pan was his worst movie. So I mentioned that at the beginning of the episode. All right. There's a huge speech, a huge speech from Jack Loden. He's going for it. It's a really good scene. <laughs> and then it like it, it's like a comedy, Mike. The epic rumble of this shat. I mean... 
three acts of the movie, three shits in the pants. It's symmetry right there. We should have known something was up when Neil Brennan was just casually on the screen as Fonzo's attorney sitting next to him. Yeah, so we should have known something funny was coming. So the big finish. It's uh, the second major hallucination sequence. That's really the third, I guess, if you count the Matt Damon stuff earlier. So he kind of gets away from the table somehow and he finds his gold-plated machine gun and his with his carrot cigar the the gist of it is he shoots his gardener that's all he does and then he passes out and falls down that's what but happens we, in real time in real time but what we see on screen is that he's shooting up all of his goons he's shooting up his house we cut to Gino getting shot up. The suspense really works there. He's looking at the, the lake. He moves to the lake, and he has this hallucination with the uh, the alligator and the tidal wave. He wakes up in the painting. He's a younger man. No more chalk makeup. Fat kid's there with the <laughs> balloon. This movie's ridiculous, and it's, it's, it's I'm a, I can't believe it's this good. I can't believe I'm th- this riveted, even recapping it right now. It's really smart. Yeah, it's like the only things that suffered were the parts between these wild hallucinations. <laughs> like, if this was just a 90 minutes of what dreams may come type thing, it may have been better. But uh, I, I loved this last hallucination as well, because, again, to me, it just spoke that Capone was saying he, he was a, accounting for and make, making amends for all the ho- horrible atrocities he's done. And he says it right to Gino's face. You're you're a pig. You're a mm-hmm. brutal man. You're an animal. And that's why he shoots him in cold blood right in front of everyone. He's trying to take away the bad people that have done all these bad things. Now, of course, they all do, did these bad things at his behest and his or- orders and his doing. But I, I, kinda, I loved it. I thought it was uh, an old man having this flash of reality and and this like epiphany of sanity and realizing all the awful things he's done in between these moments of just batshit craziness so did you notice that his gardener is like gifted that statue is that is, is that what happened because here's my theory on this movie like earlier in the film he tells the gardeners like if you take away my athena statue yeah. which of course looks like a cock and two balls <laughs> it does because it's covered in like a sheet and it looks like a cock and two it balls. looks just it's like so it. it's so ridiculous like if you take my if you take my uh, athena statue i'll cut your fucking head off <laughs> and at the end of the movie it's felt like the gardener was getting away with because he got shot in the leg and that maybe that was the only way he could repay the guy the the statue He's looking for $10 million and where he hit it the whole movie. Do you think he hit it in the statue? Do you think Josh Trank is trying to say he hit it in the statue and oh. with some cosmic justice? The gardener who got shot, who took the brunt of this guy's, you know, late in life freakouts, gets away with that money? It could be. That's not something that occurred to me, but it would make sense. Was that a fountain or was it just a statue? It was a cock and ball statue. It was just a just... statue. Okay. Then, then maybe not. I do believe he had money somewhere wet because that line he gives of dig where it's wet comes from out of nowhere when he was having these moments of clarity mm. and, and so I, I i you know if there i think we were meant to believe there was money somewhere and he just didn't know where it was and it was somewhere where the water meets the ground so oh, maybe yeah. if it was under there if that was a fountain but otherwise i don't know but it's, that's an interesting theory it's not one that occurred to me this is i'm, I'm ashamed of myself for making this joke and I'm, I'm even deflating the joke before i make it this entire episode's been disgusting, as was this movie. But if that was a statue, uh, it's shaped like a fountain. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. That's an appropriate joke for this movie, though. <laughs> I like the uh, cards at the end of it. Most of their family relocated and changed their names. No money was ever found. I mean, it left this ominous thud to the to the end of the film i thought i thought it was again you know as a composition mike this really worked i had some quibbles you had i i had, I had a major issue you had some uh, some issues but the movie kinds of kind of works yeah i was shocked at how highly graded i ended up having it at the end of all of this and yeah. uh i guess we can go into that with final grades i'm, I'm like a, a b minus which is a solid solid B minus like 82 83 that range which is pretty surprising considering what wow. I was expecting 
Yeah, I'm not too far off. I'm a C plus, like 78, 79. Yeah. It's my like honest grade. I think that's. I think this movie's something I can actually recommend, and I can't believe it. Well, those montages do take talent, and they did weave quite the story together, and they did reveal some shocking revelations, and they did tie up what we thought were loose ends. That takes a, a gifted touch to do as a director and a screenwriter and an editor, and for the acting to all pull it off as well. So, it, like, there was stuff playing on the screen that obviously was top-of-the-line Hollywood production. I'm not as big of a fan as of Chronicle as some people, but I, I thought it was a solid movie, right? So Josh Trank's got some talent. You know, he got into the uh, the, the big production, the big Hollywood production for Sony with all the pressure on him and Fantastic Four there. All-star cast, can't go wrong, can't screw it up. And he screwed it up. And, and maybe you give him a pass for that. So maybe the guy's got some some real chops. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see, interested to see where he goes from here. And maybe he, too, was dealing with some of the penance that he felt he had to pay as a result of what happened with Fantastic Four. And if wow. you go back and, and re, you know, if you go read that story and, like, just read the barbs that were being sent back and forth between him and whether it was Fox or Sony, I don't really remember. We, you, you seem to think it was Sony. Whatever it was, whatever the studio was, might have been Fox. Yeah, it, it was just ugly at the time. It was Fox, by the way. Cause okay, remember Fantastic Four got bought. Yeah, I thought it was Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Fox. All right. Anyway, you have a meta talent though, right there. You brought it all together in, in real life of Josh Trank, basically atoning for his previous production and now his to, bomb of a production to, with this one to top it all off. Now I'm gonna go shit my pants. So that's how we'll end this, but obviously... You planned that. You, 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 you actually <laughs> we do want to hear your thoughts, comments, concerns, and grades that you take the dive and bravely go headfirst into everything Capone had in store for you, dear listener. And if you did, we want to hear from you and your thoughts on it, as well as your thoughts on anything else we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us those. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts, including and especially Apple Podcasts. And hopefully this, I can't think of words today. Hopefully this episode entertained you during your quarantine, if you are still under quarantine. And if you are, and you are letting us try to kill an hour or so of your day a couple times a week, if you would be so kind as to click the five-star review on Apple Podcasts app uh, and leave us a five-star review there, that would be great, great help, a great help to us. Michael, what are some words of wisdom? What is coming next from MMO? What's coming next? MMOW, Oscar Race Checkpoint. We'll continue those. We think, we hope, when and where we can. I think uh, we've had fun kind of rolling with whatever whatever the schedule brings us. Like, we'll do an Oscar Race Checkpoint when we need it, and we'll have fun with an MMOW when we can. You did get an assignment from us the last yes. episode to send us a bunch of your reviews of what you're watching for a segment that we're going to do on next week's MMOW. So keep writing those to us on our social media, email them to us or whatever, and we'll uh, we'll have fun with that segment, Mike. What's wise to say at this end? Episode? I was going to say, do you want words of wisdom or do you just want to keep it in the spirit of this episode and just have an inane rambling that's completely off topic and makes no sense? I'm so afraid of this episode. <laughs> this was a good idea. We're recording this a day early because we just thought we were like excited. We we're giddy to record this, but now it's late at night, much later than we normally record. And we did. I don't know if this was a good idea or not. I feel like my face was red for this whole recording. I have no idea how this was going to play, but maybe that's how Josh Trank thought about this movie when he's like, man. Tom's really going for it yeah. with this performance. Yeah, I'm going to cover my face in chalk at the end of this just to get, oh, feel what it feels like. Really go method on everyone's ass here. There you go. <laughs> so no words of wisdom at an, <laughs> after an episode like this. Just go have fun out there. there folks. You go. Watch this movie. <laughs> it is a lot of fun, that's for sure. Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See you.